Welcome to this spooky, scary basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this very scary basement, which is full of haunted puzzle boxes, enchanted candelabras with a dark secret, birthday cakes with hidden knives for all of your uh, prison friends, and mirrors where we talk to a specter from the movies from time to time, which I gotta tell you, pretty creepy. Anyway, my name is Roxy Polk. And my name is Mikey McCaller. All right. So, Mikey, how about we start out this episode the way we always do, the way we have done for what feels like hundreds of years now? Yeah, I think it's eternity. <laughs> yeah. What is the scariest thing that happened to you this week that went down in your life outside of the basement? I was just chilling in my room, hanging out. Uh, a fly stuck in my room. He uh, He flew up. He landed on my door and he put his little fly butt out. And he started pooping out fly eggs. Oh, just oh. fly eggs everywhere. <laughs> and it was, and they were like getting in my bed. And I was laying in my bed and I was like, <laughs> all these fly eggs everywhere. It was really scary. And then I woke up. Obviously, it was a dream. Oh, okay. God damn it, Mikey. You, you got and me. And I had fallen asleep eating a bag of Cadbury mini eggs. That's, you were eating Cadbury mini eggs? Yeah, I was eating Cadbury mini eggs as I fell asleep, and then all the eggs were in my bed, so when I woke up, I had all these little uh, candy eggs. I feel like you can never eat those again. I think you've ruined Cadbury mini eggs for yourself. Yeah, you'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I'm eating them right now. Man, well, by comparison, I didn't have any night terrors. I just had a uh, spooky, scary tech-related issue happen that in the middle of one of my Twitch streams, the internet went out, and I was hosting several people... (laughs) with me on the stream so uh let a bunch of people down so that's great <laughs> oh god i'll tell you what's scariest about that to me you didn't let anybody down <laughs> i let not, me you. down i let the internet the let me that, down the fact that you feel that way makes me scared <laughs> uh not scared is not the right word <laughs> i got over it it's fine it's just in the moment that kind of stuff sucks especially when you're like oh should i have to fix it oh wait i literally can't do anything because just the internet mm-hmm. is down so it's out of my it's, control. We, we were talking about this last week. It's that scene in Child's Play 1 where Andy's stuck in the psychiatrist in- institute and he yeah. looks out the window and Chucky's just <laughs> crawling up the steps. It's like, there's there's nothing you can do. You just got to sit there and feel bad. <laughs> but anyway, I think we have a third party here who has been watching us this whole time. Ooh. I don't know about you, but... we should. Yeah. I, I guess we should real quick just reclarify the rules of Demon Bot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, we, when we come to the basement, the Demon Bot forces us to watch films otherwise he'll take our soul and therefore our bodies i think next week we'll probably change it to bodies <laughs> i think that's probably the move he can uh in- inhabit both of us at the same time yeah I he guess. wants he wants two bodies yeah you can never demons are legion right uh so we watch we watch movies to keep him at bay yeah but if we get too scared then our souls leave our bodies so we, we can do it mikey oh can you survive that's huge. If, if we get too scared by the movies, our souls leave our bodies. That's how he gets you. That's his plan. It's not the greatest master plan. So we've but. really got to thread a needle here. <laughs> We've got to both watch these scary movies, but also be brave enough to keep our souls within our bodies. Yes. I think we can do it. <laughs> I mean, we've done it for millennia. It's true. It's true. I mean, time doesn't exist down here. So, you know. Oh, that's that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shit. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Oh, he's up and about. Greetings, mortals. Have you watched the film I have assigned for you, or your soul's forfeit? 
Yes, Demon Bot, we watched The Descent, the 2005 film about ladies in the cave. Yes, I did. I promised you I Thank would last week, Demon Bot. I don't know why you feel like you have to ask me, but yes. Good. Then you may keep your souls. For now, please prove that you have watched the film by summarizing the plot. Okay. For now. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Roxy, wow, we watched The Descent, huh? Yes, which I had seen this movie before, so I'm cheating a little on Demon Bot, but uh, I I rewatched it, and I gotta say, it is still still as good as it was the first time I watched it. What a great movie! But uh, anyway, would you like me to go over the plot for Big Time: The Descent? So those of you out there who have not seen it, this is your last warning to go see it for yourself. Okay, so the movie starts out with three friends, white water rafting down a raging river it is uh sarah our main character and beth and juno her two besties um and her husband and her small daughter are watching them from like the riverbank i will say i thought for the longest time that all of the women in this movie were named sarah (laughs) yeah it took me (laughs) i felt like they kept introducing new characters and they were all named sarah yeah like this is my third time watching the movie essentially and uh I, I felt like I didn't really keep track of their names as much until watching it through this time. I mean, obviously to talk about it more, but I feel like I was focusing a lot more too. But some mm-hmm. of them, I didn't even know their names until later because they they don't do a scene where they're like, hi, your name. Hi, your name. What's up, your <laughs> name? I think all movies from now on should have the characters weigh the, those like, hi, my name is Beth. And it should be very big and should almost take up the entirety of the front of their t-shirts. I mean, it would help, especially in an ensemble cast with like, was six ladies? <laughs> uh, some of which have like similar hairstyles and hair colors. A lot of them have different accents, though, which kind of helps. Hmm. But we'll uh, we'll get to them in a minute. After this uh, whitewater rafting trip, you get kind of like this weird vibe between Juno, who gets playfully pushed into the water, and uh, Sarah, our main character, her husband. They have kind of like some eye contact that's a little shifty. Hmm. And then when Sarah and her family, so her husband and her daughter, are in the car on their way home, just talking about like her daughter's birthday... They are in a car accident that very abruptly kills both her husband and her kid in one go. And then she's super injured. (laughs) So you can imagine Sarah doesn't take that too well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's not fun. Beth is there for her, but Juno kind of like pieces out immediately. Mm -hmm. She just can't handle it. A year later, we get to the group of girls having having a fun time meeting up for a... uh, caving trip where all of them are gonna go hang out it's been a year so it's like the first time i think one year one year does not seem like enough time it really doesn't to get over the grief (laughs) one year is not enough to be like hey remember last year that thing we did let's not interrupt our schedule (laughs) whatsoever yeah there's just kind of like this tension you can tell they're there for like sarah kind of so it's got kind of her two besties juno and beth are there but then there's like a bunch of these other girls including one who i called scary spice because that's who she just Mm -hmm. reminded me of I called her Rock and Roll All-Star. I can see that, too. Eventually later, I was like, oh, her name is Holly. I've been calling her Scary Spice this whole time. Because she's British and is kind of like a punk. She's got like a punk hairstyle, but is also like a huge thrill seeker. So she's kind of yeah, like... Yeah, she's, she's at the cabin. Do we know? Is she friends with somebody? What's her she, deal? She is Juno's protege. Juno is your friend who didn't grow up and still is kind of doing the same thing they were always doing. Hmm which is, in this case... Drinking beer and playing Halo? It's like extreme sports, yeah. Uh, that's her version of drinking beer and playing Halo. 
Uh, so kind of like extreme sports, she she never really kind of grew past that. Whereas it seems like everybody else in the group has jobs and lives outside of this. It's kind mm. of like all Juno and Holly have. But Holly is, I guess, a little younger. So maybe she can't. She's definitely tuned into the adrenaline lifestyle. Oh, boy, is she. But uh, anyway, you, you get this snapshot also of them when they're like, oh, hey, pose for the camera. And they're all doing these fun poses. And it's definitely one of those things that I was just like, oh, yeah, images that precede unfortunate events. <laughs> I think there was a Goosebumps book about that. Say cheese and die. Yeah, exactly. And so the movie has like this really cool way of slowly amping up that kind of anxiety where the the score is very good to reinforce that as well as just when they get to the cave spot juno just kind of leaves the guidebook there <laughs> and one of the characters who is a nurse she's talking about all of the different things that can happen to you when you go underground including like mm-hmm. paranoia panic attacks hallucinations shit like that it's this movie is so good about poking us anxiety-minded people where i'm just like <laughs> No, I don't care how well you know it. Just put the fucking book in your backpack, dude. Yeah, exactly. I would never leave the book. I would always bring the book. They trust her to be the one who put this together. They're going to this cave system that is supposed to be a tourist destination, quote unquote. It's supposed to be like a very easy climb, a relaxing thing for them to like get back Mm -hmm. into the swing of hanging out, doing activities like this. It's just a simple cave climb to help you get over your child. (laughs) And your husband's death, you know. And do a little bit of mourning. So they get down into the cave. It's a one-way drop, essentially. Like, they don't leave anything to climb back up because it is just such a huge plummet down from the top to the bottom. But everybody's super stoked about it. Seems super cool. (laughs) Just ladies having a fun time. They start progressing through the cave. There's this scene which kind of, like, tells you, gives you a little bit of what you're in for, which... I didn't notice this the first time I watched it. You see a silhouette of a creature Oh, really early on, actually. Really? There's this really cool shot where they've got red light on each side of the screen. One side is the girls, and they're like talking and animated, so you're focused on them. But if you see the smaller, fainter light in the background, there's a creature hunched over. (laughs) And like, I never noticed that the previous times I watched this, and I was like, how did I miss that? But you saw it this time? Yeah. And there's another similar sequence, which it, it's like the, they have these two little instances that the way they play it off is very natural. There wasn't like a big spooky jump scare noise where like Sarah, our main character, hears something and she pans her flashlight over, gets kind of separated. And you see the back of a head of a creature pretty close, but it looks like it could be some of the rock. Oh. So like she pans over, you see the head, she pans back, it's not there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she didn't really quite register it, though, but you, the viewer, did, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so it sets up your dread for then when uh, they're going through this really tight... Here's an important question. What? Did the creature bring the guidebook? Do they know where they're going in these caves? That's a good question. You know, I feel like they'd probably be responsible enough to do it, you know? I mean, like, <gasps> I w- this is their home. <laughs> How great a scene would it be if he's just like, I don't need it. (laughs) He throws it in his demon SUV. That's even before they get into the bigger cave system, which they essentially go through this very tight, very claustrophobic sequence. Our main character, Sarah, has a panic attack. She's kind of stuck because she was caught transporting the rope bag. So she's Mm -hmm. like too big to fit through the way that everybody else was. So she gets stuck. She's having a panic attack. Beth talks her down because Beth is the cool friend, the coolest friend. We like Beth. Dude, Beth rules. 
This was the scariest scene of the movie to me. It, it's very terrifying. It's like that was like the moment when I was like <laughs> I, I was kind of excited to go caving at the beginning of this movie. Really? I was like, this is fun. This seems cool. <laughs> this seems like a fun place to explore. Hanging out, having fun, yeah. And then she got stuck <laughs> in that tiny little crawl space, and I was like, I could never do this. It's terrifying. Like all those like news stories about real people getting trapped in it too. Like I just I can't. This is definitely one of my fears. Deep Dark Ocean, stuck in a cave. No, mm. not going anywhere near. I would fight a demon before those things. <laughs> Gladly. But so she's able to get out, but she loses the rope bag and then their escape or like the route where they came from is completely closed off. So now they can't go back where they came from. They're kind of fucked. And that is when Juno finally tells them, oh, this actually isn't the cave we're supposed to be in. This isn't the cave that you, the responsible friend, filed a plan for so that people know where we're going, and if we don't show back up, they'll know where to find us. This is a completely unexplored cave that nobody knows about, and I thought it'd be cool if we could explore it together and name it. And it's just, you weren't thinking of anybody but yourself, basically, Juno. It's, she murders them. <laughs> She's like, oh, guys... I just thought I would murder you. And quick. myself. Like it, it <laughs> I thought I would just murder us all. It makes no sense. And you can tell Juno has kind of like this complex layer to her that I appreciate where she's done something bad and like maybe the other girls know about it for sure. Beth like picked up on it, but probably couldn't prove it. And then like shit kind of went down mm -hmm. where she's got this special necklace she keeps touching and like seems to be she she said something that was very telling that if you didn't pick up on the kind of like glances before, she said something like, we all lost something in that car accident. <laughs> Excuse me? What are you saying? <laughs> it wasn't your husband and child, was it? I remember um, hearing that line and being like, what, you lost your camping trip? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just lost your friend for a year? Shut up. You didn't lose anything. And she was the one who abandoned her, too, because they, they, the accident and the whitewater rafting trip from the beginning happened in Scotland. So she, mm -hmm. and Juno is American, so she just peaced out and just literally left the country. <laughs> but so they're trapped, everybody's mad, but they can't really do anything about it. They have to get out. As selfish and, like, shitty as it was that Juno did this to them, they just gotta focus on getting out. And so they have limited rope. So there's this extremely tense scene where they have to single-handedly freehand go across this crevasse. One of them has to go ahead and set up the belays, I think they're called. Uh, I could be wrong. I shouldn't belays. say that. The Maybe they're belays. 420 belays it. Yeah, belays it. There you go. They're setting up joints. They have to go you know. set up <laughs> <laughs> the giant pot station. <laughs> Man, they like are smoking a joint at the beginning though at their uh mm. their cabin, which is funny because like cool. one of them puts it out the minute Juno shows up, and I was like, oh, is Juno like the narc who would tell them not to <laughs> smoke weed? Is that why you did that? But so they're able to get across barely, and Juno is like the last one back. And while they're going through, they notice that there's this a remnant of old hiking gear from a hundred years ago. So, mm. like, they thought nobody else had been down here, it hadn't been mapped, but apparently somebody had, and the fact that it hadn't been mapped means they probably didn't make it out. Oh. So it's just kind of building on that dread. <laughs> they keep going, they find some cave paintings that kind of tell them that maybe there is an exit. It looks like there's an entrance and exit being documented, so they have a little bit of hope there. I think maybe they can get out. <laughs> I don't remember that moment necessarily, but I, like, as you were just describing it, I pictured, like, one of those directories in the middle of a mall. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's what ancient cave people did. They needed like to the, have a mall directory. Yeah, there's the exit. It's just, you you head towards Macy's. If you're heading towards Macy's, you're on the right path. 
Yeah, exactly. You can't miss it. Exit's right there next to the bathrooms. <laughs> so as they're progressing, they go up into this, I think they call it the cathedral cavern or something. It's this very mm. spacious space after being in these a lot, much more claustrophobic areas, which your first intro to when they enter that is just hundreds of piles of animal bones. And you're just kind of left to think about like, wait, okay, so something's been eating something down here. <laughs> Sounds like uh, my, my plate halfway through a football game, you know? <laughs> you, have so, you, have so many, you have so many chicken wings, you just got a big plate full of bones. So they, they have a camera, too, the thrill-seeking girl. Oh, I forgot. She broke, uh, Scary Spice broke her leg. Oh, she sure she did. She did. Yeah, so Scary Spice, she thought she saw some light, but it's really like phosphorus on a rock, and she just torpedoes herself through, <laughs> through the cavern <laughs> And then falls down because it's slippery and then breaks her leg in this really heinous way that they're all freaking out about. It's it's very Game of Thronesy in that like you spend the entirety of Game of Thrones like hating King Joffrey, the shitty little king. And then when he dies, you're like, you still don't feel great about it. Like I spent this whole movie hating Holly. She's quite annoying. <laughs> I, I have a note here that just says, Holly truly sucks. There's no context. I just wrote that down because I was so frustrated <laughs> with her. But it's like, she falls and breaks her leg, and I'm not just like, yeah, you got yours. I'm like, now they got to carry her around, and also, it's, like, really gruesome. Like, Yeah, yeah. The effects in this movie are pretty much all practical. Like, I think some mm. how they stitch some of the scenes together with, like, green screen, but all of the monsters are people in suits. All of the gore is prosthetics. Mm. So that scene is very visceral, especially because, like, the bone is sticking out, and that's just, oh, uh, trying to do that, like, in a cave as well. Which I think that's an, that's another thing that is just a little aside. Like, the way the actors kind of, like, interact with each other and everything feels very natural. Like, they feel yeah. like friends. They feel very real. Which uh, I think was very necessary, I think, especially for something like this, where there's a bunch of characters who don't look too different. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely, like, a strength to it. But anyway, she's got a broken leg, so I'll, like, crawl up into this horrible pit with a bunch of bones <laughs> and they've got like a night vision camera which they could have made this a found footage movie or some shit but i'm glad they didn't yeah but there's scenes where they use like the the night vision camera to like actually see because it's so dark because mm -hmm. they made a really good point to make this beat it's in a cave the only light sources they have like there's no lighting from the scene elsewhere mm -hmm. you know like lighting it up it's basically just the lights that they have <laughs> have you ever heard what the the lord of the rings cinematographer told somebody on set about lighting did you ever hear this before no <laughs> uh somebody they were like filming a night battle scene in one of the lord of the rings movies and one of the actors went up to the cinematographer or like the lighting director or something was just like well where's that light coming from because he was just lighting it like a movie uh -huh. <laughs> it took place at night he's like well where's that light coming from and the lord of the rings cinematographer and or lighting guy said um that light's coming from the same place the music is coming from. <laughs> it's, it's such a, like, it, it broke my brain, and I honestly don't know if I like that line of thinking or not. But, like, yeah, it's a fucking movie, dude. I think for, like, a fantasy movie. It's cool to have a movie like this that has decided our lighting is going to only come from cave places. Yeah, yeah. Like, as long as it's intentional, no matter what the choice is, you know, like, that's what they decided to do. And I think with the sets they were working with, which we can get into that later, if it's even interesting to get into, we'll see. It, it adds so much to, like, the anxiety, because you can't really see. And the whole thing is that these creatures hunt 
in the dark and they're trying mm-hmm. to get you in the dark. So it really adds an extra level of threat to like the thing they're experiencing, <laughs> which is very terrifying because they're when everywhere. they're in that cathedral cave uh, with all of the bones, they suddenly get jumped by the creatures. They finally reveal themselves and they start attacking and everybody's screaming and they all split up. Holly, who's injured, can't really get away. So she's obviously the first one to die. She gets jumped by monsters. Juno stays back to try and tug of war her body away, though, even after she's dead, because she's just, like, not going to give her up. Yeah, Juno really worries about her friends if they're dying. That's going to be a defining character trait for her. Yeah, that's something to remember, because... uh, I have a note here, when... um, when they first see the creatures, uh, I, I think it's Sarah who sees them first and she like comes running back and she's like, I saw a man. I saw a man mm, in there. Mm-hmm. I wanted one of the characters to just be like, but this was supposed to be a girl's weekend. <laughs> that would be fun. I feel like if this was a different type of movie, that would totally be a line in that. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's like the Fairly Brothers version of The Descent, which I would watch. I would, too. That would be fun. (laughs) Alternate universe descent. (laughs) So Juno's doing tug-of-war. She eventually beats the creature's head in, but then another one attacks her. So she's just kind of like in animalistic survival mode, and she hears a noise behind her, (laughs) throws out her pointy pickaxe, like climbing axe, Uh and uh, gets Beth right through the throat. So Juno has killed her own buddy, Beth. Yeah. Like she did before at the hospital, she just, Beth is reaching out to her. She reaches out, grabs the necklace from her, mm-hmm. and is just reaching out for help. And Juno mm. just fucking fades in the background and runs away. Yep. Juno, not there when you need her. <laughs> so everybody's split up. So you kind of get this dichotomy of a bunch of characters in different scenes, which is very terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah is on her own. Sam and Beth are together, which, uh, it's funny because Sam's actress, I didn't know who she was the previous times I watched this movie, but she's in the Witcher TV series. Oh. So, like, when I was watching her this time, I was like, God, she's really familiar. And she plays Tessaia, who is this uh, McGonagall-type character. Oh, really? But way more ruthless huh. in that show. So it was kind of, like, neat to see, like, her in this young... When she's supposed to be younger, but she looks like she hasn't aged. So, good for her. Great. But so... <laughs> Tessaia, Sam, her and uh, the really responsible one, they're stuck together. And she got this alarm watch, like, from a boyfriend. It's, like, really tacky, but she (laughs) kept it anyway. And it's this whole thing that they talked about earlier. It was was one of those Mickey Mouse watches where, like, Mickey Mouse's arms are pointing at the time. Basically, yeah. Just that, but orange. (laughs) The alarm on it goes off. So right as they're in this tense moment where a... The creature literally walks over them, passes them. They think they're safe. The alarm goes off. <laughs> She's able to throw it away. And then noise elsewhere, like Juno screaming in, a, in one of the other caverns, draws it away. Mm. Um, but so they kind of figure out that it they hunt by sound. So they've kind of realized that it can't really see them, but it can hear them. So Yeah, they show like these milky white pupils at that point, yeah, too. Like- they're really gnarly because there's this whole scene with, th- these are kind of like all happening simultaneously when they're separated, where Sarah has the night vision camera and she's watching, she ended up in like the feeding pit which they've got several, like, bone pits. Like, uh-huh. bone pit part two. It's really, like, a well-designed pit cave. It's just, like, yeah. it's like if you ever have been, like, apartment hunting, and you're just like, <laughs> wow, there's another closet? This is a great place to put more bones. <laughs> exactly. So the monsters are just ravenously eating Holly, 
and Sarah has to not make any noise. She's just got the camera up, trying not to make any noise, trying not to hurl. The thing that uh, almost gives her away is she almost hurls because she's Mm -hmm. watching this. And so it, like, brings one of the creatures, like, right up in her grill. (laughs) (laughs) They get stunning footage of it. But yeah, it's got a real big close-up of their horrible, horrible eyes <laughs> and teeth. Whatever drips out of their mouths. Unexplained. Don't want to think about it. Um, <laughs> so I think they're kind of like the other two groups. Let's see. This is about the point of time in the movie when I was thinking, like, I, I do this thing. It's not necessarily good. I wish I was better about just, like, sitting and enjoying the movie. But I start trying to guess the ending mm-hmm. based on, you know, what this character, what I what I would suspect their arc might be and i thought it would be really fun if the end of this movie was sarah taking one of these cave babies out into the world and raising it as her own oh these little monsters yeah like they've got some sort of hierarchy or just i don't know they've got some sort of structure you can tell they've got rooms for feeding things Mm -hmm. (laughs) feeding on things they've got a couple of different body types that you see i don't think you really see any children but you just assume that they they do they've got uh gross creepy cave monster families (laughs) he's like mom can we eat in the fire pit and she's like no (laughs) we eat in the bone pit like a family (laughs) exactly so I think Sam and Beth, after they escape one one scenario, they get jumped by a bunch of other ones. Then Juno shows up like a fucking superhero, jumps down, so tight. hits it with an axe, and then literally like twists its neck, like snaps its <laughs> neck. It's just like, man, such a badass move. If she wasn't such an asshole, you mm-hmm. know, it, she's pretty cool in that in that moment. Um, so the three of them are together, and they ask, "Oh, what about everybody else?" And she's like, "Oh, Beth didn't make it." And they're like, "Well, okay, what about Sarah?" We we can't try and find her. Like, it's crazy to try and find anybody out here. We have to focus on trying to get out. Juno <laughs> is adamant that she won't leave Sarah behind. And you can tell it's not so much out of an altruistic sense, but more guilt. Right. She has to save Sarah because she has hurt Sarah enough, I guess, is her thinking. Yeah, and has already, like, killed Beth, so it probably feels like she needs to repent for that. <laughs> Juno is just taking L's here. She has she- one cool <laughs> neck snapping, but she has... She has not had her, uh, like, I don't think that breaking a monster's neck is the equivalent to all of the time she has let her friends down thus far. It's really not. (laughs) So the three of them are kind of like going on their own. And then Sarah makes her way to the pit where Beth's body has ended up. And Beth, surprise, is not alive, which don't question how someone stabbed through the neck can keep talking. Or she's not dead. Yeah, she's... Oh, wait, yeah, she's not dead. Sorry, I said the opposite of what <laughs> she was. Uh, she's, she's close, though. She's, like, struggling. She's yeah, clearly in pain. She can, like, barely talk, but she's able to tell Sarah, Juno did this to me, and then gives her the necklace, which on the back of the necklace, it was established earlier that <laughs> Sarah's husband has this phrase that's, like, love each day. Love each it's, day. Like, a thing he'd always say. He's so cool. He's got that positive vibes catchphrase. Can you imagine if you're just like a 14 year old working at Cold Stone Creamery and you're just your job sucks and you hate it. and You're just scooping ice cream for these losers who are coming out of the Hollywood arc light and you're just like selling this shitty ice cream. And then this guy is just like, hey, thanks. Love each day. I would just like scoop his eye out with my scooper. Like, I hate this man. This is the worst thing I've ever heard a person say. He sucks. We're very lucky he's barely in the movie, honestly. 
Because that cheesy ass catchphrase is on the back of the necklace that Juno was Ugh. wearing and prized her prized possession, the thing that Beth took <laughs> for added proof of not only did was Juno with her when she was hurt and injured and left to die, but also double whammy. She was cheating with your husband so much so that he made an engraved necklace and gave it to her. And with his fucking SNL <laughs> character catchphrase. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? Give it a... It's, we were talking about this last week with Chucky. Like, why would the voodoo man even make that voodoo doll? Yeah. Like, that's going to be your undoing, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? And he's kind of distant in that opening car scene. So, like, I kind of assumed that he had fallen in love with Juno and was no longer in love with Sarah and was kind of thinking Mm. about how to broach the conversation to get a divorce because Juno seemed to Mm. be very emotionally invested as well. That's a that's a good point. He might have been like (laughs) the first man in history who told his mistress he was going to leave his wife and was actually ready to leave. his wife. Yeah, yeah. Or at the very least, you know, for a little while. (laughs) I'm sure he'd do Mm -hmm. it again, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of what i i assume giving yeah that would fix it given the vice. that would fix what you got going on here buddy not how it works yeah exactly so then also there's monsters screaming in the distance and beth is like can you please kill me because i don't want to live through whatever is going to happen next i don't want to be like eaten alive or just i'm in pain and dying right now even without those things <laughs> eating me please end my life and so sarah very horribly very emotionally like kills her (laughs) and then has to run away from the monsters runs falls in this blood pit (laughs) and has to like fend off a monster two of them actually she kills one in the chamber where beth dies and then another one sees that follows her to blood pit and she kills that one too uh she's just killing sarah is a machine now killing monsters left and right sarah is all powerful warrior she is God amongst men. She's just doing as she sees fit. It's It's awesome. This very iconic scene where she like comes out of the blood and is just covered in blood. And then she does this very solid snake move where she has to pretend to be part of the scenery when another monster shows up where it literally like steps on her face to like get over to another area. Mm -hmm. So she just stone cold. She's much better at stealth than Chucky was. Let's say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then Chucky setting off alarms left and right. Sarah emerging from cave <laughs> walls. Her camouflage is so expert. And she's she grabbed a bone and then kills it. She's also got like this flaming torch she's had this whole time, which the torch is like what's lighting the scene, which looks very cool. So there's this scene where she's standing with the weapon and the torch and she just screams like no while like coated <laughs> in blood. And then her other friends hear that, but they're like, oh, that must mean she's dead. They think she's yelling no because she's dying. Hmm. So they're they're still trying to continue to get across this other chasm, the three of them. Tasaya, who is like uh, Sam, she starts going around, doesn't have enough rope. Juno gets up there to kind of help her. Beth is hanging back. Beth gets attacked. Another monster on the wall attacks Tasaya when she's halfway through trying to get across that giant chasm they were in. It slashes her neck, and as she's dying, though, she grabs it and stabs it to death, so she still takes the one with her that tried to kill her, so... One in, one out. Yeah, that was a pretty cool move. That's the policy. But then uh, Juno leaves Beth to die, being eaten by the other creatures, and literally uses Sam's body, like, to try and get across. (laughs) She doesn't, falls into some water. And so it's this whole big thing, too, where I, I didn't notice it as much the first time, but the second time, she falls into the water, she has a mechanical life. 
Sarah falls into the blood and has fire. So there's kind of like mm, mm. this like savage dichotomy, I think, kind of going on, showing yeah. them like both sort of transforming into having to kill things to get through the situation. Mm-hmm. But so now, now it's down to just Juno and Sarah. They meet up. Sarah's covered in blood, looks like she's insane. Oof. And she like <laughs> asks Juno about what happened to the others. And specifically when she asks like what happened to Beth, Juno has, there's this look where she's like, just come clean. Like if you can come clean, maybe I can forgive you. Mm-hmm. And Juno does not. No. So you can kind of like see it in both of their faces, the way it changes where she's like, I love okay. this scene so much. We're just like, <laughs> all right, uh, you had your chance. It's it's so, it's just layered with hatred. It's so good. It's so good. Especially because you've been watching Juno abandon all of their friends. It's her fault she's in here. Was cheating on the husband beforehand. Just absolutely terrible. <laughs> uh, so they make it to this part of the cave together, which seems like it's the way out. Like, it seems like they you go up this rock face and you'll be able to get out, and that's, like, how they get food from the outside. Because they basically theorize, mm-hmm. well, there's, like, elk bones down here, you know? Like, an elk isn't gonna stumble down here. They had to go hunt it and bring it down here. <laughs> Much like I do with Burger King. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I go out and I get Burger King and I bring it back to my den and in in darkness and shame devour it. <laughs> How uh, all fast food should be devoured in darkness and shame. That's the way That's the way that fast food is eaten. <laughs> Imagine eating it in the daylight. People do that? Are you kidding me? It sounds <laughs> disgusting. Gross. <laughs> so they're like, okay, we can make it out. But of course, there's a million of those crawler monsters everywhere because this is a very high traffic area. And they've been just killing them <laughs> left and right, causing a lot of noise. <laughs> I, I like uh it's a high traffic area <laughs> this is like the descent monsters black friday yeah <laughs> they're like they gotta get that somewhere the cave best buy has cave legend of zelda Link's awakening for 1999 and the crawlers are out i mean they got it you gotta wait in line for that shit otherwise it's gonna be sold out immediately what else can you do listen it's $60 normally every other time of year. Nintendo first party games don't go on sale that often. They're always full price. You got to you got to do it. They know what's up. It's like, "Mom, Nintendo first party games don't ever go on sale." Get out of the bone pit. So, basically they this entire exchange happens without words, which I love. Mm. So they're kind of like looking at each other. They haven't made any noises so far, so like the monsters haven't noticed them yet. But like Sarah's holding up the axe, the weapon that she has and like she lets the necklace drop mm-hmm. so that Juno can see it and so she's like, "Oh, she knows everything I did." Uh-huh. And then Sarah just stabs her in in the leg to use her as a distraction so she can escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I think that happens like after they fight off a bunch of them, right? I'm trying to remember if that came before and after. Yeah, they have like I think they have a big monster battle together. Yeah, but then Sarah's like, "Yo, you don't get to have two legs." Yeah, that's right. They fight like a first wave. You don't get two legs when I have zero husband and children. <laughs> yeah. So they, that's the trick. Yeah, so you see them like fight together for this first wave and then as there more of them are coming in it's kind of like, well, we can't keep fighting them like this forever. They're going to be on us. She's like, I'm you're you're done. So <laughs> And Juno doesn't even like try to get away. You see it on her face that she's almost like it's what I deserve. 
Right. So she stabs her. Juno gets it. And runs away. And then you have this last shot of Juno with a bunch of them crawling after her. And she she's ripped the axe out of her leg and is going to try and fight for her life, essentially. Um, and you just hear her screaming as Sarah runs away, falls, and hits her head. It, like, fades to black. But then they do this cool thing with, again, the lighting is very important in this movie, where, like, you see it... It is like the flame of her torch that then becomes like sunlight because she's made it mm-hmm. to the exit. Yeah. And so she crawls up this pile of bones. It's huge, like stairway to heaven <laughs> pile of bones. It's a very <laughs> cool shot. Breaks out of the ground, runs to her car and just like fucking drives until she like has to pull over and has a panic attack. And then you get. Probably the only cheap jump scare that I probably like the only thing I didn't like was that you see Juno's bloody body sitting next to her and she right. like looks at it. There's her. like it's like the first ghost of the movie. They're yeah, like, exactly. Which surprised. like you can see it being like her guilt because like as much as like Juno did shit, Sarah mm-hmm. wouldn't have killed her if they were in that situation. Like no way would she have done that <laughs> otherwise. So she feels like guilt for it to a degree. Good. You have watched the film. Now you must prove your understanding and discuss its themes. Well, and and that's like a big question I have, because I don't know if I know the answer. Like, Mm. do we think Juno deserved that? I don't think she did, but I think... I didn't think so either. They were in that situation where she was basically like, it's you or me right now. She went with her. You know, they were fighting back to back at one point, but then she was just like, well, it's you or me, and I don't forgive you, so it's you, and I'm gonna get out. (laughs) So I I felt like at that point of the movie, Sarah was all powerful and could have fought off any number of monsters that came after her. I feel like her and rage it felt to me like an intentional <laughs> choice to like I'm uh, I'm fucking up Juno. I don't think so because like it does feel like that because of her rage and the brutal savage efficiency that she's kind of just taken on in order to like survive down there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she's just one person. And against, like, a bunch of those, two people versus four of them or something, sure. One person versus, like, four, I think she knows she's not getting out of that. And there was many mm. more <laughs> than that down there. <laughs> but um, I could see, like, the other alternate interpretation that you're talking about, too, where she's just like, I'm, I'm finally going to get revenge for the thing you did to me <laughs> and my friends and my family. Yeah, it felt sadistic at that point. It felt like she was like, I... It felt like that would have been the end of the movie, whether there were monsters or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Just in terms of, like, how angry Sarah was and, like, finding out. And that's why I was like, this this feels like a little much. Okay. I could see that. I'm not sure if there's, like, a... If they've said one way or the other. Oh, no. That, I, 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 I think there definitely were monsters. Oh, yeah, but yeah. It's just no, like definitely monsters. I mean, like... Yeah, it, if... if I, I'm talking about, like, Sarah's character, I guess. Like, would you think her mm. capable... So what you're saying is, even if there weren't monsters, you think that Sarah would have murdered Juno in that cave? Is what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I feel like that was that was very much. I, I I'm now struggling to remember why I was getting that read from it, but I was like, they could both escape together. Was my feelings on it that they could both just run away from wherever they were? But she was like, nope. I've decided that Juno doesn't get to make it out of this. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. For me, I just thought it was a it's it's me or you and. It's it's going to be you. That's how I felt. Especially because, like, she wouldn't have been pushed to be that, to even deal with that sort of choice if Beth hadn't been, like, killed and left to die by her. Mm-hmm. You know, and if she hadn't... Well, and that's what I kind of mean, is, like... Learned everything else. The best stuff is the closest to, 
I get why you would kill Juno no matter what. Yeah. Anyway. But I was even kind of feeling sympathy for Beth or for Juno rather in that moment. Like she just killed her friend. Like that would suck. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Like she knows what she did. She didn't would be able to deal she, with that either. Either. She didn't want to, you know, like she's not necessarily she's very selfish, I guess, but not necessarily like malicious. Like when she's cheating with the husband, she wasn't thinking, yeah, this is going to be really hard for Sarah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just she was selfish. She liked the husband. She went for it. Whereas if she wasn't so selfish, even if she felt things for the husband, she wouldn't have done anything about it, you know? <laughs> we haven't really talked about the ending yet. Yes, yeah. So, like... Or, or the or the ending question, but it's why I kind of... Was, yeah, like, the ending to ahead, the American, like, theatrical release, but it's not really, like, the mm-hmm. true ending. So, sorry, Mikey, you were gonna yeah. say. No, I, I think this is the time to do it, because... Yeah. I... The true ending, I guess we'll just talk about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's been, like, this motif since the beginning, because the last thing she said to her daughter was talking about planning her birthday party. So Sarah will occasionally dream or sort of, like, hallucinate her daughter sitting with this birthday cake. So in, like, the true ending, <laughs> after that Juno jump scare happens, she wakes up and she's still in the cave. Nothing she saw was real. Except now her mm-hmm. daughter is sitting in front of her with the cake. And she just kind of, like, looks at her and seems to have found maybe some sort of peace or something. Mm-hmm. But then they do it. I think it's even done in, like, a single shot where they like, turned around. Then you see that she's actually just looking at the fire of her torch. Her daughter is not there. Yeah. She's, like, had a mental break or, like, trying to cope with anything. Or she's had been hit on the head one too many times. Mm-hmm. But so she's alone. She's not getting out. She was nowhere closer to the entrance than she thought she was. You know, you don't really know <laughs> what happens to her. So which ending do you like? I like that Better. ending. <laughs> yeah? Uh, yeah. It is definitely a lot more of a bummer, but I think it's one of the reasons why the movie stayed with me so much, too, to, like, have that sort of ending. And I think it's kind of, like, showing back on her character. Maybe she's found some sort of peace, I guess, in herself after this, after being, like, not having a good time for so long. So I liked the ending a lot. The, the version I watched had that ending. Okay. I watched cool. the, the true ending the first time I Good. saw it. Much better. And I was like, cool. Because I, I didn't necessarily get on board with this idea that she was going to, like, get over things by killing your husband's yeah, mistress. Yeah. Like, that doesn't quite solve your emotional problems. Exactly. But I was so deeply invested in her. Like, I actually kind of think the ending with a Juno jump scare might be my preferred ending. Really? Yeah. How so? Just because, like, I, I, I do love the idea of Sarah going into this cave in such great grief that she's, like, shut down to everything. Going into this cave, fi- like, she had death foisted upon her at the beginning of the movie, and then now she has she control of death. She can decide to kill her friend. She is suddenly, like, 100% in control. Mm-hmm. And I love that story of she's like, okay, death did this to me. Now I'm handling the death now. Mm-hmm. And the idea of her like fighting through these monsters and escaping, I thought was like really beautiful that you, your life doesn't end when tragedy like this is again, foisted upon you. Yeah. And so the ending to take that away from her and just be like, she actually was never going to get over that. She may as well have died when that car hit her too. It's like a bummer. And it's something that aesthetically, it wasn't the kind of bummer that was resonating with me. It was just kind of, there's like a mean bummer as opposed to like an interesting, thoughtful thing about the world bummer. But 
And, and so I also, that's why I like the Juno jump scare. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was them saying like, she did it, she escaped, but it, there's still trauma, but it's a new trauma. It's a new trauma because she had let her rage go too far and ended up killing her friend also. And now she has that to deal with. Yeah. But it, it, it did kind of, that spoke to me about this idea that like, there is more story to tell for you beyond this loss of life that you suffered through. And I think that is very beautiful. And yeah, so I was bummed out when they took it away. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, she was just in the cave. She wasn't this all-powerful warrior goddess who can get through anything. She is a regular person who goes into a cave and doesn't come out. Yeah. Grief gets us all, Roxy. It does. <laughs> That's just the truth. <laughs> What an uplifting takeaway for a movie <laughs> to have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. This so is why it's very unfair for that movie to have a sequel at all. The sequel's so bad. Like, I, I rewatched it back to back just because I was like, I remember this being garbage. Is it? And uh-huh. yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it seems that movie is about, like, succumbing to grief. Yeah. And like, how how you deal with it or don't deal with it. <laughs> Right, yeah, she she dealt with it by like, all right, I'm in a cave and I'm never going to come out and goodbye to all my friends. <laughs> that yeah. movie was about saying goodbye to all your friends because you're not going to be the person you were before. Yeah, I, I did read an article that I thought was pretty good that I wanted to shout out. It was a birth movie's death column by Brian Collins. Mm. It was, uh, I guess it's like his running column. It's called Collins Crypt. Um, but the headline was, on the two endings of The Descent... And he talked about how the first time he saw that movie, he didn't have kids. And then he had a son since seeing it again and how he too thought the ending was too bleak. But then when he saw it the second time, he wrote, even if I had proof of my innocence and a few surviving friends, I'd still choose to exist in a world where my son was still with me rather than return to the reality where he wasn't. Mm. And so reading that made me feel like, oh, maybe that is as happy of an ending as Sarah gets. Yeah. Maybe the movie is about, like, there are some things that you don't recover from. Yeah, I could definitely see it that way. And I think, like, that's that's kind of how how I took it, in a way. It felt like she got some modicum of control over her life, but at the same time, like, there are things that are irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. You know, you might want to be the strong warrior woman who can kill all of the the horrible Smeagol monsters, <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, you know, we're kind of just we're kind of just people dealing dealing with shit. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why this movie can like resonate so well. You know, like talking about kind of the the bigger idea of the movie is basically what we're doing here, where uh, mm. you know, just kind of how how you deal with grief, how you live after. Yeah. Like, Beth says this line, actually, when she's trapped uh, in the cave, really claustrophobic, and, like, having a panic attack, trying to talk down Sarah, who's having a panic attack. And she's like, the worst thing that's ever happened to you has already happened. This isn't that bad. You can get through it. Yeah. Essentially. Which, it's it's true. The worst thing that's ever happened to her basically happened. And mm-hmm. then this is the second worst thing that's ever happened uh, to her. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I forgot about that line in context of the ending. Like, she can't get through it. Yeah. The answer is no. The worst thing that happened to you happened and it's over for you. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where I've heard from people. Again, I haven't had kids, but people who have lost children have said things like, you never get over it. It just gets easier to deal with the pain from the incident, from that Mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. So it's like you get better at dealing with the grief, but it doesn't ever get better. (laughs) 
<laughs> in a way. It's one of those things that like I, I feel like I'm thinking about it now and I will look back on this opinion whether I have kids or not and like think, oh, that was really Pollyanna. Hmm. This idea that like no matter what it is, no matter how many monsters descend upon me, be they car accidents or Smeagles, <laughs> I will be able to kill them and I will move forward and continue being a champion. Yeah. Like I, I think I believe that. I think that is my point of view right now. But I'm also tempering that with the idea that like, no, you just haven't experienced a hurt that bad yet. Yeah. And I think it goes back to also just dealing with how people deal with grief differently, you know, how they choose to deal with it, how it manifests with them, you know? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, likewise, I'd like to think I'm the kind of positive person that would be able to make it through something like that, but you never know until it mm-hmm. <laughs> happens to you. Right. Which I think this movie makes you think about, which uh, is terrifying than any Smeagol yeah. creature <laughs> you could ever Yeah, I wish the movie to. didn't make me think about that. I wish it just made me think about if I could beat Smeagol monsters. And first of all, uh-huh. I definitely could. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we got that out of here. I was watching this movie and I was like, I could kick the shit out of these things. <laughs> Just never, <laughs> like, never stop taking them all. <laughs> yeah. This, listen, the emotional implications of this movie are terrifying. The physical implications. No, you just put your arms straight out like a T and spin in a circle and they can never touch you. <laughs> you T pose them. <laughs> you just keep turning. You just T-pose them to death. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I have some questions for you then as a jumping off point for this. Let's talk about something a little more, a, a little less intense, I guess, but still okay. important. <laughs> what is the one place you never want to be trapped in? And then if you were in that place, how would you get out? Ooh. That's <laughs> my question to you. Mine is a sunken ship. I'm okay. so afraid of sunken ships. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's like growing up on video games and always hating the underwater levels so much. <laughs> they are bad. So even when I'm like, when I'm just in a cave, I'm like, okay, this is a dangerous thing, but it's at least like a fun adventure. Uh-huh. When I'm like in a sunken ship. I'm like, I'm in the underwater level. This sucks. <laughs> the idea of running out of breath. Again, like mm. if I'm going to die in battle against skeleton ghosts, that's one thing. But if I'm just dying because I didn't have air, like, that's just such a, a bummer. That's just, a, I'm just, like, defeated because I have stupid human lungs. <laughs> I don't want to die that way. So it's, like, the idea of being in a sunken ship and being afraid and not being able to get out of it. Like, I, like the labyrinthian nature of just, like, the ship's upside down so you don't know which way's out mm-hmm. and how to get to the exit, that bothers me. I think I would get out of it. By calming down, exactly what they recommend you do in the descent. Okay. Like, breathe Breathe. a little bit, remember who you are. I would remember that there's a hero within all of us, but especially me. (laughs) Especially you. You're the main character of your own story, Mikey. That's how it works. I'm what Joseph Campbell has been writing about. (laughs) And so I I would just remind myself of that. I would calm myself down. And I would slowly feel my way, sucking up pockets of air as I found them. And I would find my way out of that sunken ship. Hell yeah. Good for you. I like that. (laughs) You you said that to me like a supervillain who had trapped me in a sunken (laughs) ship. You were like, good for you. But you will not escape my (laughs) next next challenge. (laughs) (laughs) I was mostly thinking because like. I, I think I said this earlier, like being trapped underground or being trapped like in the depths of the ocean or like out at sea, like just being 
completely isolated and like suffocated from your environment and feeling like you have absolutely no way to escape. I think that's another mm-hmm. reason why the descent affected me because I don't get as scared from horror movies, but just like the, the context of like, if I was actually going down into a cave, being stuck in there, being stuck in like a passage just big enough for you, but you can't get out. Mm-hmm. You just sit there and starve to death or your oxygen runs out. Like that's terrifying. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't care for it, Mike. <laughs> I think it is the lack of control. Yeah, yeah, especially when it's like your environment itself. It's not like it's a person you could overcome or like an obstacle you could overcome because it's like it's you don't fight the ocean, you don't fight the earth <laughs> that is a cave. Uh-huh. <laughs> like those aren't things that you can this really is, defeat. This is something that like I remember thinking about for a long time how lucky it is that superheroes and, and regular heroes, just like heroes of regular movies, tend to fight villains that are within their power level. Yeah. Like, Captain America and the Fantastic Four fighting Galactus is, like, on their power level. They are superheroes, and they're fighting the biggest supervillain, but they can handle it. Uh, Simba fighting his uncle Scar is on his same power level. He's, like, he's a big, emotional, intimidating presence, but he can handle it, right? If they swapped, if the Fantastic Four had to fight Scar the Lion, they just... I laser him to death. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. And if Simba has to fight Galactus, like that's kind of what our women are going up against in this cave. It's like, mm. it's something so big and reminds you that you really don't have any power or control in your life. And you can't win. It's outside of your power level. They're not going to beat the cave that has fell in on them. Yeah. They're just going to be dead. Yeah. So the way that I would escape that is by not going there in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, you're just going to stay home. <laughs> stay at home. I mean, we should be staying at home right now anyway. Uh, but even more reason to, because I don't want to get trapped in this in a cave with golems. <laughs> so uh, I think, Mikey, did you have a question for me? I for do. Us? I do have a question for you. I think maybe not the scariest moment, but the worst moment of this movie is in the beginning and the cabin. I think it's Holly who says like, yeah, I got plans for my life. I just want to have a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And then everyone like looks at Sarah and Sarah's just like, mama mia. <laughs> this. I like your much more comical interpretation of her like heartbreaking <laughs> expression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think Beth just puts her finger in her shirt collar and is like. <laughs> but I want to know, Roxy, mm-hmm. what is your biggest foot in your mouth moment when have you ever said something that you're just like what the what was i thinking what was the that was insane to say in front of that person uh okay um I'm, i've got one it's a got a middle school memory i think yes good so it's extra embarrassing because middle school has got to be probably some of the worst years of your life pretty sure uh-huh. <laughs> where there was like this guy who was very pushy to like me and and my friends he, he was the type of person who would sort of try his luck with any of the girls to be like yeah maybe maybe this will work maybe this one it'll work on this mm. one like he's trying to date you yes yeah oh. um and like In middle school mm. i just remember thinking like the expression on his face was just like so like gross and kind of like smug like he thought he was hot shit even though like he it, it didn't his shitty lines didn't work with anyone And I said, like, (laughs) I hate looking at your face or something like that. And, like, he 
you could tell that it like dropped like in his face like for whatever reason he decided to take that personally and like it just mm. seemed very sad <laughs> and i was like yeah i don't like looking at, like i don't like looking at your ugly face or something like that which was uh-huh. like a very like schoolyard thing to say that you wouldn't think right. would affect someone but like for whatever reason he took it personally that got him uh which like it was to a guy that probably kind of deserved it honestly but also i didn't need to attack his his looks like that <laughs> I didn't even remember what he looked like, to be honest. He was probably, like, completely normal looking. Well, he was, like, uh, the, uh, he had a physical deformity all over his face. <laughs> he was just sort of the resident, like, uncomfortable, creep, middle schooler kid who didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all I could think of was just to, like, get away from me. I know that kid. I know that kid. <laughs> and then I never had to talk to him again, so... <laughs> Great, yeah, that was it. But uh, because he died, yeah, he's he's gone. He died two years ago. He got into a car accident, and his dad was cheating with his mom's friend. Yeah, exactly. But uh, what about you, Mikey? Mine was similarly a middle school moment. Oh, <laughs> where um, I was at the grocery store with my friend Tony, mm-hmm. and there was a girl who went to our school, but was a grade older than us. And I want to say her name was like Jenny. Okay. I don't remember if that's actually her name. I honestly don't remember this girl's name. I hope I'm not outing her uh, <laughs> as a person who went to school. Um, we'll, we'll call her Jenny. I think that's a fake enough name. And Tony was like, Tony was my friend who was with, there with me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, Jenny's here. And she's so hot. And I was like, whoa, I didn't see her. Where is she? And I was like looking around and I didn't see her. And like, I didn't know who she was really. Uh-huh. And then we get up to the front of the store and Tony like points her out to me. He's like, there she is. That's Jenny. Uh-huh. Or, or, or he said, I'm sorry, I, I need to be specific about this because this is the foot in the mouth. Okay. Moment. He goes, there she is. And I looked over and I saw this girl who I didn't think was that cute. Uh-huh. And I said, dude, Jenny's not that hot. Oh my God. <laughs> and then the woman next to us who's begging her groceries went. <laughs> yeah, like that's weird. And then as we left, Tony said, dude, that was Jenny's mom. So I said that in front of Jenny's mom. It's like such a weird, like for a mom to hear. It's like, oh my, my God. daughter's not that hot. The chubby kid doesn't think my daughter is that hot. Like, what an insane thing to have to deal with. But I remember for years, because I went to like this small Catholic school, right? So all of the families, there was like not a ton of families. Oh and you're God. all like. And, she, and you're like, did she tell her? Does exactly. she know that I said that? Well, and not like, only that, I was worried that like my parents would run into her parents at church. Oh, okay. And they would come up and be like, do you know what your son said about my daughter, Jenny? Oh, my God. The truth is, Jenny's parents didn't care. But it was like four years. I'm sure she didn't tell her either because it's like... Yeah, why would she tell her? She at least wouldn't tell her daughter. Like, that would be mean to her, her daughter. You wouldn't Do tell you know her that, that chubby kid you don't know doesn't think you're hot? Yeah. <laughs> like, great. She, she, I imagine her just being like, okay, good, fine. Yeah, like, cool, so then you're not going to talk to me. Great. All right, bye. Yeah, we'll all continue <laughs> not talking to each other. Like their parents didn't, her parents didn't know my parents, but it's just like they would have gone to church at the same time. But I was terrified for years that the, something was going to come of this. That oh someday, my God. like, you know how it, they say, like, if you ever get shot, you don't feel it right away. You just like are feeling normal. Uh-huh. And then the pain slowly. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh my God, I've been hit. Man. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought all of a sudden, years later, my parents would like call me into my room and be like, do you know whose parents we talked to? It was Jenny's. <laughs> and you're the worst person. 
she heard that thing you said. Well, your, yours was much worse than mine, but I find it <laughs> hilarious that our like middle school embarrassment vibes went together. There's probably, I can probably come up with much worse things than that, but like the minute you said that, I was like, oh yeah, the time I was like viciously mean to someone, even though maybe they sort of deserved it, but uh. It's also not that mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not I like that the mean, term but it like, mean. I could tell the way it like had affected him. Just like with you, like the thing that you were stressing out about, like mm-hmm. nobody gave a shit. Her mom heard it and was just like, that's a weird kid and never thought about it again, <laughs> probably. <laughs> what if the mom was just like, you're fucking wrong, dude. Yeah. My daughter's banging. So I'd say rating how likely this is to happen, one out of nine mm. for the descent. Because 10 is missing. Yeah. Why is 10 missing, by the way? Did. No one knows. I think Demon Bot stole it's it. Scary. <laughs> it's very spooky. Demon Bot stole it. Number 10 doesn't exist down here. <laughs> that actually. Okay. We'll remember that. That is true. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> the number 10 does not exist down here. Write it down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, how likely do you think it is to happen? I mean, I think that's another reason why this is so creepy, because I feel like it could, there could be a race of humans that evolved differently than people did because they lived underground, became weird bat Spiegel cannibals. Yeah, 100%. Uh, oh, it's, a, say, it's an eight for me. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, eight, eight, or, eight or nine, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Especially about the getting trapped the, the in the cave-in part. part, like... It's again, like, I I think that if it's just one magic thing, it can definitely happen. And obviously, in the real world, people cheat on each other. Obviously, in the real world, people lose their spouses, lose their children. That does happen a lot. Get stuck in caves. And obviously, there are caves. Yep. Caves are real, no matter how much we don't want them to be. Yeah, I, when I think about caves, it makes me scared. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> Did you ever read, there's an HP Lovecraft story, I can't remember what it's called, but, like, it's basically this. Um, it's some guy goes into a cave and like he's with a group and he gets lost and so he's all by his lonesome mm. and it's like there's some sort of creature following him and at the end like the tour guide finds him and they kill the creature and the big twist ending at the end is like he put the the torch by him and this creature at one point was a man and it's <laughs> like, it's, a, it's like man in capitals and then like 18 exclamation points well, I had no idea that uh, Lovecraft was so into exclamation points. That's wild. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it was like, I know. <laughs> I know he was once a man. And it's not that big a deal. But Hey, like, that's like one of the first stories about that trope. So v- Very much so. Yeah, no. Back then it was the hotness. <laughs> it is time to collect your souls. I mean, it is time to collect your bets. All right. So we have the bet from last week, mm-hmm. which was... Will anyone at any time during this movie say, what is this place? I said yes. And I said, I don't think so, no. Oof. And in this case, we- Mikey won, because yes, they <laughs> did in fact say this. Beth uh, says it in the official script. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I didn't notice it during the movie itself, but we actually found the script afterwards yeah. and did a did a little control F and that exact line, Sarah spots a piece of clothing shredded, perhaps belonging to the missing cavers, but there are no human remains here. Beth, what is this place? <laughs> Sam looks like a slaughterhouse. Ding, ding, ding. I love that line. I know <laughs> that I am in for a good movie if somebody says, what, what is this place? Because we're in a magical world of some sort. We're in a, yep. you know, nobody goes to a restaurant in Manhattan and says, what is this place? Because we know. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's a restaurant, restaurant. in Manhattan. Not, not nearly that magical. Um, but you go, uh, what is this place? And they're like, wow, I think it's New York, but 
in the future. It's like, hey, here, buckle up, baby. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Do you want to step into the universal mirror? Yeah, we got to go into the universal mirror. And go into the universe of this movie that we just watched? I th- I mean, it's very terrifying, but let's let's do it. Let's do it. Here we go. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're here with Sarah Carter, the main character of The Descent, who appears to be the lone survivor of a group of women who went cave exploring. Now, Sarah, I just wanted to confirm real quick. Did you make it out of that cave? Because we maybe had like a couple of different reports. Uh, yeah, I did. I escaped the cave, then I made it to my car and drove away. Oh, well, glad you survived. I don't know if I am. See, when I got in my car, I saw the ghost of my friend Juno, who I revenge killed in the cave for sleeping with my husband, Paul. Ah, okay, so the emotional pain wasn't cured by killing the person who'd hurt you. (laughs) That does seem to be the lesson of most revenge stories. Right, so I figured I must not have gotten enough revenge. I had to also revenge kill Paul. Well, Paul died at the beginning of the movie, and that was, like, well before you ever found out that he was having an affair. Good point. Thank you. You think I can't revenge kill him after that, though? Paul left a substantial donation to a children's hospital in his will. They even named a wing after him. It was how he wanted his memory to live on after his death. Idiot. (laughs) So I called the children's hospital, rescinded the donation, and got his plaque taken down. I revenge killed his memory. So, actually, you mean you took a bunch of money from a children's hospital? Took back a bunch of money from a children's hospital. That move probably killed a number of children. And still, it didn't fix what was wrong inside of me. I still felt hurt. Overwhelmingly. So you learned that revenge is not the answer. So I went and revenge killed even more people. Who was left to kill? A lot of people helped Paul cheat on me. If my boss, Mr. Roberts, hadn't hired Juno, she would have never met me and therefore never met Paul. So Mr. Roberts had to get revenge killed. I waited for him in the parking lot, made it look like a botched robbery, then I found the front desk clerk at the hotel they went to. They couldn't have cheated if that clerk hadn't checked out a room. Shot him too. Made it look like a botched robbery. A bodies makes you a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Would a serial killer check a woman's bank records, find out what restaurant she went to in the times before checking out a hotel room, go to that restaurant and kill the waiter, making it look like a botched robbery? Uh, Yeah. Okay, just checking. Sarah, was any of this worth it? I can't imagine you ever actually found any closure by going around and murdering people who are, at best, tangentially related to your husband's affair. You are right. After I revenge killed Clive Owen and Julia Roberts for having such a steamy kiss in the movie Closer and almost for sure giving Paul the idea to cheat, I realized something. There was almost no amount of revenge killing that would bring Paul back, make him uncheat on me. I mean, that seemed like the clear lesson from the start. So I revenge killed every last scientist at NASA. That'll teach him not to invent time travel. Okay, you murdered everyone at NASA? Made it look like a botch robbery. Who robs NASA? Someone looking for space money, Mikey! This is messed up, Sarah. I know you went through a lot. You know, what with the cave monsters and all, but I think you've crossed the line into making me think you might have been a fucked up monster all along. Okay, you don't think I can revenge kill everyone associated with my husband's affair? You know, it's that kind of attitude that perpetuates the idea that men can cheat without impunity. Right there. Society, as embodied in this moment by you, Mikey, and Roxy, made my husband believe it was okay to cheat. Are are you putting on a ski mask? Uh. This is a robbery! 
Give me all your money and no one has to get revenge killed! Ah! You know, Roxy, I don't think that Sarah was on the up and up. Um, I mean, she seemed like the Sarah we know, maybe. Although, maybe a little more murdery. Yeah. But, you know, she she's had some time between then and now. Who, who knows what changes person right. further. Maybe, to, uh, we, maybe I mean, she was stuck in another cave in between. <laughs> I don't know about. She just keeps getting stuck in caves. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, Not again! That's, that's actually the terrible sequel that you should never watch is just that. Wait a second. Do you hear that? Mikey. Hmm. Hmm. Shit. Demon bot is on the prowl. He's back. You have finished reviewing The Descent. Congratulations, your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 2014 film It Follows, written and directed by David Robert Mitchell and starring Micah Monroe, Keir Gilchrist, and Olivia Lucardi. If you do not, your souls shall be forfeit and I will claim your bodies as my own. So we gotta watch It Follows for next week. Alright, I can do it. I'm excited for that movie. It is pretty good from what i remember it has been a while i forgot a lot so i'm looking forward to rewatching it and hearing your initial reactions i'm looking forward to retaining my soul yes me too it's the most important against part. Oh, yeah, demon bot <laughs> in our endless war <laughs> spiritual warfare going on right that now none of us that no one will win all we can hope to do is not lose <laughs> uh let's make a bet for la- next week yeah huh? let's do it what's our bet this week uh I- i'll come up with that i'll do it this week Okay. Okay, I want to guess how many times you are going to jump at this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I jump a lot. Yeah, you have to keep track. <laughs> yeah, I'm real jumpy. No cheatsies. <laughs> <laughs> no cheatsies. <laughs> we are, uh, we should say for bets, we are tied on the year one and one. Mm, okay, that's true. Uh, you won last week and I won this week or vice versa. I uh don't know and and don't care to check it's fine it doesn't matter who knows uh, what order they're in <laughs> I, I will guess that i will jump five times okay i'm uh gonna swing big and gonna guess 11 times <laughs> 11 times <laughs> are there scenes with multiple jump scares you'll have to find out do they do they do the classic like build up to the the big jump scare and it's just a cat and you're like oh just I'm, a cat. I'm not going to give you more chances to prepare. I want my 11 answer to be correct. <laughs> so uh, to to be clear, out. if I jump for both of those, which I probably will, I will jump at the cat and I will jump at the killer, the who is revealed two. seconds later. Uh, those That will count as two. Yes. That will count as two jumps. Watch, you'll be at like 30 or something and we'll both be like completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> the pact is sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to predicting the number of times Mikey falls for a jump scare shall be declared the winner. The loser shall have to listen to the audiobook of Fifty Shades of Grey narrated by Gilbert Gottfried. All right. Well, uh, now that we've talked about all the spooky things, how about we talk about what's like making us happy this week? Mikey? I love that. What What was a cool, happy thing that happened to you this week? Anything. Well, one great thing that happened to me this week is that my apartment building got a new laundry machine. So I used to have to go take my laundry yeah. out to a laundromat and get quarters made there. And, and now I just, I, there's well, a machine right below my apartment. I can go downstairs. You had to leave your building. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I had a big thick mask on and I would go, I would, I would put all my laundry in like a giant wheeled suitcase and just roll it like a block and a half away yeah, towards I, the laundromat. Sounds like such a nightmare, especially because like I don't dr- put all my clothes in the dryer. So then I would have to like take back wet clothes to then hang up. <laughs> I, got home. <laughs> I do. I do hate that for you. Uh, unfortunately, I did find out that my landlord is using all of this change that she's generating by providing the new laundry machines all the quarters that she's taking in Uh she is using it to fund an army of creatures from the black lagoons so she knows the creatures of the black lagoons she has a monopoly on their production right yeah she's funneling money into their stock (laughs) she (laughs) she will soon have a an army uh, then maybe you should find a new place to do your laundry as happy as you are about this new laundry machine maybe Mm, i can't imagine i'll do that Okay, well, <laughs> just know that so you're convenient. complicit when the creatures from the Black Lagoons take over. I can look to you and blame you. You know what? Much like the creatures in the Descent Cave, I think I could kick the ass of a creature from the Black Lagoon. Not in the water, though, which is something you were also afraid of. Oh, no, of. I would lure him up to land. I would say, uh-oh, I've got a big cake up here. <laughs> Who wants some? And then the creature from the Black Lagoon would jump up and be like, me! And then I'd kick his ass. He's not trying to fight you at that point, though. He just wants some cake. Yeah, I would beat him with my brain and not my muscles. Okay. (laughs) Seems like he just wants to hang out with him and you're just going to punch him in the face. (laughs) Yeah, I do not have friends. (laughs) Now we know why. This is why we do this long distance, you see. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise I would kick the shit out of you by now. You lure me with cake. (laughs) After offering you cake. Well, uh, my, my thing that I'm happy about this week is not, not quite so, uh, existential dread of the, uh, entirety of human society being run over by creatures from the Black Lagoon. I, uh, <laughs> started playing Shadow of the Colossus for the first time to finally beat the game because I played it, part of it as a child, and it made, the controls were very clunky and it made me very sad to kill the Colossi. Mm. That's like an that's like an all time great game, right? People it, like love that it's, game. It's so beautiful. It's so cinematic. It's so like the music's great. It's super well shot. Pacing's good. Just and the remake of it, the HD remake of it that they made, it's like shot for shot with some extra stuff added that just looks amazing. If you haven't had a chance to play it, I highly recommend this version of it. I'm playing it on stream. Actually, I'm gonna plug very low key. Not planning on it, but. Uh, I stream on Twitch three days a week, so I've been playing it all online with other people, and it's been fun, like, sharing experiences about, like, when they played it, like, when it was on the PlayStation 2, or, like, some people who have just played it more recently, and everything like that, so it's been very cool. The major, like, gameplay hook of that game is that you're climbing up Colossi, and then you have to kill them, right? Yes, yeah, they all have, like, different weak points and different strategies, so, like, each, it's a bunch of boss fights in a desolate but very beautiful, like, wasteland that you have to figure out how you're supposed to take them down. Yeah. Roxy, I hate to tell you. <laughs> Quantum theory tells us that since there are infinite universes, all of those colossi are alive. Don't tell me this. <laughs> I don't need to hear they this. They all know what you're doing. <laughs> they know what you've done. No. And they do not forgive you. I, I wouldn't either. They're just living their colossi life, and I'm out there murdering them, and I don't like it. Yeah, their ghosts will be haunting you. As Wanderer did it, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> I, I, in, in thinking about a colossi ghost, it would be, like, not that scary, because it would just be, like, a 
big leg. It's just room. like a big sad cow. Just like, why you do this to me? Well, like all you would see would be like twenty five percent of a, a yeah. ghostly uh, cylinder. Yeah, basically. So great. Just a, there's a, a foot. ghost leg is piercing my wall. <laughs> it's mad about things. <laughs> scary. A spooky, scary, a spooky, scary basement, Mikey, where we are trapped. I can't get away. Yeah. You want to um, rustle up our bravery and break out of here? Yeah, we got to experience more scary things next week so we can take them back with us. <laughs> Roxy, what, what kind of monsters are we going to fight our way through to get out of the scary basement today? Uh, zombies, sure, why not? All, zombies are always a good bet. Thousands of zombies. All right, Th- let's do it. I didn't it. know there would be thousands of them, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> you do your best too. No. What? Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> Why? Okay, you can not You're being do your a contrarian best. now. <laughs> it's not gonna help anyone. Mikey, you do your best. Everyone listening out there, you guys do your best too. And we will see you and talk to you next week. Stay spooky. Spooky. Spooky.